welcome back to It's Not Normal, the podcast, episode 11. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about my decision to go no contact and how I've managed to set and maintain boundaries with my narcissistic parent. Before we get into the episode, I just want to take a minute to thank everyone who's been tuning in. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, please be sure to like this video, leave us a rating on Spotify, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've got new episodes of It's Not Normal coming out every week along with a ton of other content. That being said, let's dive into this week's topic. I want to start off by talking about boundaries. What is a boundary? In its simplest terms, a boundary is a limit. It marks where one thing ends and another thing begins. And in terms of your relationship with a narcissist or a controlling parent or spouse or boss, boundaries apply to a lot of different relationships. And in terms of those relationships, boundaries refer to what behavior are you willing to accept? What are you okay with and what are you not okay with? When should you say no? How do you say no? And when should you refrain from explaining yourself, from justifying your words, your actions, your thoughts? I had no idea what boundaries were when I was growing up. It's a term that I only learned recently. I never felt comfortable to begin with voicing my true opinion on a situation or an experience, especially if my opinion differed or deviated from that of my narcissistic parent, because I didn't want to become the target. And very quickly, I learned, as so many children of narcissistic parents do, that the way to survive the way to not cause any waves or to kind of add to the stress that's already present within the family or within the household is to be agreeable, to go along with whatever your narcissistic parent wants and to take on their own thoughts and opinions and emotions as your own, suppressing your true feelings about whatever the experience or the situation might be. And so the thought of boundaries it never really crossed my mind. Boundaries weren't something that were ever talked about. I was the kid in this parent-child relationship. And so what authority did I have over my parents to kind of dictate their behavior or their words within the context of my relationship with them? I existed as an extension of them. I viewed myself as my parents' kid, like I owed them everything because they brought me into this world. They're putting a roof over my head. They're putting food on the table. And so who am I to draw the line in the sand and to say, hey, when you say or do this thing, it really upsets me. So can you not do this again? It's almost as if your narcissistic parent can do no wrong because you never want to criticize them. You never want to pinpoint something that they did as being hurtful or manipulative. You're never going to turn the spotlight on them in a really negative way because you know what that results in. And that is so much worse in the moment than just kind of suppressing how you're truly feeling and letting the experience come and go. And so they get away with so much because the people around them are constantly existing in a state of fight or flight. And it's really unfortunate. But when you continue to let that behavior slide, the narcissist starts to believe that what they're doing is okay, that their behavior is acceptable. And this is a result of a complete and total lack of boundaries. And so looking back, the first boundary that I ever set with my family, with my narcissistic parent, was when I moved out. And it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision that I made where I observed a behavior that I didn't feel comfortable with and then made the conscious decision to say, okay, I'm not okay with this behavior. 
I'm going to draw the line here and I'm going to remove myself from this environment. It was very much a decision that I made in the moment in sort of survival mode where I felt like if I didn't make this decision and physically remove myself from this environment, one, I might be putting myself in danger. Two, I would be doing myself a disservice for continuing to endure this behavior or to communicate by saying that this behavior is acceptable. And three, if I didn't make that decision and remove myself from that environment in that moment, in that instance, I never would have. It very much felt like a turning point for me. And I'm so thankful looking back that I had the courage to do that. Even if I didn't fully understand the reasoning behind the decision I was making, I'm so proud and I'm so thankful that I had the courage to make that decision when I did. And so the months, even the year following me moving out, my relationship with my parents was very rocky. Our communication was very touch and go, up and down. It was very intense and emotional. There were a lot of negatives to our interactions. And I remember often leaving there feeling exhausted and upset. And it was a really difficult thing to navigate. All of these really upsetting emotions, all the while dealing with the guilt and the shame and the isolation that came along with breaking out of this narcissistic relationship where, you know, I still didn't have a very firm grasp on boundaries where, you know, I didn't feel... Like I could say, you can't speak to me in this way or you can't say these things. You can't conduct yourself in this way when we speak. It wasn't so clear for me yet. It wasn't so cut and dry. And so even though I had physically removed myself from that environment, I was still enduring a lot of negativity at the hands of my narcissistic parent where they were making me feel guilty like I had abandoned my family and I was single-handedly ruining my family and tearing my family apart and all of our family's issues were now my fault and the only way to fix these things was to go back was to move back in and to pretend like nothing had ever happened and so I'm dealing with this guilt and this shame and this isolation all while being really confused on my own I'm gaining perspective for the first time in my life I'm seeing the world outside of the control and the manipulation that go hand in hand with a narcissistic relationship. And so I'm starting to understand how so much of my experience growing up was abnormal and dealing with that while also having so many negative things thrown at you by people that have been in your life forever, who you're really supposed to trust, who you genuinely love and care about. It was a lot to manage. And, you know, looking back, I guess there were times when, you know, when my narcissistic parent would raise their voice, I would leave the conversation again, just kind of physically remove myself from that situation. And I guess that was me setting a boundary again without fully understanding what a boundary was or making a conscious decision to draw a line in the sand. And on top of that, when you grow up in a narcissistic household, depending on the role that you fulfill this might be a really hard thing to shake. I guess that guilt and, and that shame, feeling like you are responsible for mending these really difficult, deeply rooted issues within your family. I believe that for the majority of my time living with my family, I fulfilled the role of a golden child when I was in good standing with my narcissistic parent, which 
I would argue was about 90% of the time because I was very fearful of ever doing anything wrong or making a mistake. And when you're in that environment for such an extended period of time, you're conditioned to believe what's right and what's wrong. You understand how to best survive and how to best get by. And the better you do these things, the better life seems to be, the easier it is for you. And so you start to implement these things time and time again until it almost comes naturally to you, which is why growing up in that kind of environment, especially from such a young age, is so dangerous because you might not even know what's going on or how this behavior is impacting you and the way that you yourself act. Little bit of a tangent there. But playing the golden child or fulfilling that role for so long and kind of fulfilling the role of the surrogate spouse where I felt responsible, I felt like it was my responsibility to regulate the emotions of my narcissistic parent. I felt responsible for providing emotional support, for providing reassurance or assistance in arguments within the family. I played the role more often than not of the mediator, of the person who would come in and diffuse the situation. I was the person with the goal of resolution. How can we compromise? How can we kind of de-escalate the situation so that we can all move on and end this really negative, stressful disagreement or argument? And it's so strange, again, looking back, to have been 10, 11, 12 years old coming into a situation where there's an argument or a heated discussion about really adult issues, maybe marital problems or financial issues, things that I didn't cause that I couldn't fix. These were well beyond my capabilities. And yet I would come in feeling like I was the most emotionally mature person in this dynamic. And it was my responsibility to kind of talk my narcissistic parent off the ledge more often than not, diffuse the situation and figure out how we can move on. And it's so bizarre to think back to playing that role and to not even realize what I was doing. But having fulfilled that role for so long, and now I've moved out of my family's house, there's still that lingering feeling where, okay, it's my responsibility to kind of fix what my narcissistic parent broke, right? It's my responsibility to make this problem better, even though... I didn't cause it, right? And I would later come to realize I couldn't fix it either. But I still felt like there was something I could do. Like it was my responsibility to put the pieces back together. Looking back, it's very clear to me that this was not my responsibility, especially not solely my responsibility. But in the moment, I didn't know that. And so I would try and I would try and I would try again. And I remember on so many occasions thinking to myself, okay, if I present this information, I've got facts to back it up, right? If I present this information in a really clear and concise way to my parents, there's no way that they can't see reason in it, right? That they can understand it just a little bit from my side. I can explain why I felt the way I did and maybe we can actually move forward now in a healthy way. And time and time again, trying this, bringing these things to their attention, having these conversations, and having them be shut down. It's not working. They don't see reason in it. That was really upsetting to me. And I slowly but surely started to realize, one, that you can't reason with unreasonable people. And two, I can't change people. If they want to change for themselves, they will do it when they're ready and only then. 
And I know it might seem obvious to say something like that out loud. You know, you can't change people. But having played that role for so long, where I felt like the mediator, where I was the one kind of enacting any sort of positive change by bringing about resolutions to really heated disagreements or arguments between adults as a child, it can still feel like these things are possible. You know, like this is a skill that I bring to the table. This is something that I've applied in my life countless times. Why won't it work again? But this was a bigger issue than anything we had ever faced. And so following that realization, our relationship was still relatively rocky. It was still touch and go. I let go of the idea of me changing my parents or the way that they thought or our relationship following me moving out. And I guess I was just feeling out what our relationship was or was going to be from here on out. And so when we would see each other on holidays or family gatherings, we would coexist. We were amicable. It was uh, friendly and civil, I guess. But I remember on numerous occasions leaving those experiences feeling so stressed and exhausted. And now it's clear to me that I never felt like I could truly be myself because we had never had this honest conversation. We never resolved these really negative experiences that we were all a part of. We never voiced it. We never talked about it or addressed it in any way. And so I still didn't feel like I could relax, like I could talk openly and honestly and freely. And so I would always find myself slipping back into this people-pleasing, agreeable child role whenever I was around my parents. And it was really upsetting to me because I didn't know where to go from there. I knew that I couldn't bring up the things that I really wanted to talk about, but I didn't want to cause any tension, and I wanted these experiences to kind of come and go as peacefully as possible. And it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable, and I think that's what led me to just kind of slip back into this role, because what else was I going to do? I can't talk about these things, so sure, let's talk about the weather and pretend like nothing bad ever happened. And then everything kind of came to a head with this last experience that I had with my parents about eight months ago. And in my mind, right, I had done a bit of self-reflection before this, and I had started to realize that our relationship, as touch and go as it was, was only positive when I was falling into the role that my parents wanted me to fall into. Again, when I would slip back into that really agreeable, people-pleasing child. I wouldn't poke at the issue. I wouldn't make anything more stressful or tense than it had to be. I would kind of swallow whatever negative emotions I was feeling in the moment. I wouldn't address anything that I truly wanted to talk about. I was doing what they wanted me to do. I was behaving the way they wanted me to. And that was when our relationship was good. That, again, is when I was in good standing with my parents. And I started to realize who is benefiting from this because it's not me. I'm leaving these interactions feeling exhausted and stressed and judged. It's not a positive experience. And so they're leaving these experiences feeling like, oh, okay, 
everything is fine. We didn't do anything wrong, right? See, we had a good conversation over dinner. Everything is fine. Convincing themselves of reinforcing this image, right? That narcissists and enabling parents alike are so obsessed with. They're kind of twisting reality. They're not seeing what's truly there. They're kind of pressuring everyone around them and interpreting their behavior to suit this narrative that they've created, this really deluded version of reality where they accept no responsibility. They take no blame and nothing negative ever happened, right? Everything is picture perfect and that's all that we're going to pretend that it ever is. We don't have to go beyond that. And I couldn't exist like that any longer. And so this last experience I really viewed as an opportunity for my parents to either address these really negative emotions, address this situation that I had been begging to have a conversation about for the last five years that was continually ignored. We're either going to address all of this once and for all and start to move forward in a healthy lasting way we're actually going to start to make some progress here and take a step in the right direction or we're going to continue pretending like nothing ever happened we're going to continue to invalidate my experience and my emotions and just go on the way that we've been going for the last five years and unfortunately it was the latter that happened and so time and time again setting my parents up with what felt like opportunities to do the right thing, to have this uncomfortable but extremely important conversation where we can finally talk, really talk to each other like adults, like people, honestly, without judgment, without getting defensive or loud. Let's fix this. Let's heal these wounds or at least begin to and move forward together in a way that's really going to last, that really means something. That was all that I was hoping for. And to have those opportunities kind of come and go over and over again became so disappointing that, again, it kind of came to a head with this last experience where I realized that no matter how much I want to fix things, no matter how I try to fix things, no matter the amount of work that I've put in myself to understand why I am the way I am, what went wrong here, how did we get here, right? What, what are the explanations to all of this behavior and these emotions? No matter what I've done, I cannot single-handedly mend a relationship with more than just me involved. If the other party is not willing to put in the work and the effort and the self-reflection, there is nothing I can do. And it was upsetting to have that realization or I guess come to that conclusion after this experience. But in a way, it was freeing because it was this exhausting cycle of, you know, maybe they'll do the right thing. Let's try this. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And to have them always be shut down, to have my parents always make the wrong decision where it's we're not going to address your emotions, we're not going to address the experience, we're going to deny what happens, and we're only going to move forward together if we agree to sweep everything under the rug. It was upsetting, but then I felt like I was off the hook, like I didn't have to try anymore. It wasn't my responsibility because I had given all that I could possibly give from my side of things. This is a two-sided issue. There, there are two parties in this relationship. And if one 
is not willing to put the work in or to dedicate any amount of time or energy to resolving this issue, then there is nothing that I can do as just one half of this equation. And I finally started to realize that and and come to terms with that. And about a month after that experience with my parents was when I read The Science of Stuck by Britt Frank, which I always reference as sort of the launching point for me in terms of my healing journey. She has a chapter in that book called The Emotionally Unskilled Family and the 10 signs that kind of denote an emotionally unskilled family. And after reading that and having nine out of the 10 so accurately apply to my life, that for me was when I finally started to let go of some of that guilt that I had been feeling And I started to feel justified in my decision to, looking back, set boundaries with my narcissistic parent. I thought for a long time that what I had experienced in my life, my relationship with my parents, was relatively unique to me. And that a lot of these things I was going through, I was alone in that. Because I had never met someone in my own life, in my personal life, who had had a similar relationship with their parents. I had never really discussed these things with anyone, and I had never witnessed that kind of behavior. So I didn't know that narcissism was a thing, that emotional manipulation and trauma was a thing. I had no idea what gaslighting was or parentification or being the golden child in a narcissistic family. These were all just experiences that I had collected throughout my life, emotions that I had suppressed that were finally surfacing that I was starting to deal with, and decisions that I was making as a result of all of that. But now all of a sudden these things had names. They were researched and studied. There were articles written about them. There were other people online sharing their experience very similar stories to things that I had gone through. And so I started to realize that I wasn't alone. This situation or experience is not unique to me. And I am entirely just, I can set boundaries. Even though I'm the child in a parent-child relationship, I am my own autonomous person. And I am perfectly capable and allowed to say, I am okay with this behavior and I am not okay with this behavior. And if you're not okay with that, then I'm going to remove myself from this situation. I am going to disengage from this relationship if you cannot accept my boundaries. It was mind-blowing to me, but it provided me with a lot of peace and reassurance that, you know, making the decision to go no contact, which I haven't even gotten into the specifics of that yet, making the decision to go no contact is rarely an easy one. And it's not something that I did because I wanted to. It wasn't a decision that I wanted to make. I felt like I was left with really no option. And so I guess I might as well get into what that looked like. Following this experience with my parents and starting to realize a bit of my trauma and put a lot of words to these emotions and experiences, I was able to look back on my childhood and even the years following moving out of my parents' house with a lot more clarity. I was able to look at it a lot more objectively. And so I typed up a letter talking about the way that I was feeling, addressing some of my parents' behavior during this last experience. And I ended it off by saying, I am currently dealing with some of the most challenging issues in my life that I have ever faced. And I am now starting to trace them back to experiences from my childhood, from behavior of yours. And that's okay. 
I'm not mad at you for that because I'm sure your own experience in life informed a lot of your decisions. What I'm not okay with is existing in an environment or continuing a relationship with someone who denies the existence of these issues, who denies their part in the creation of these issues. That was a boundary for me. And so I will not be talking to you until you are ready to address these issues. And that was kind of how I left it off, where I said, you know, I am sitting with all of these uncomfortable emotions and these really ugly truths, and I'm figuring out so many things about myself as a 26-year-old adult, which is really difficult to have all of these realizations about who you are and your life and the way that your experiences and relationships have shaped you, all the while unlearning a lot of these really negative behaviors that you've picked up on throughout your childhood because that was all you were exposed to. These were the things that you were conditioned to believe were right. It's a lot. And so I said, you know, I'm sitting with all of this discomfort and I'm putting the work in because I truly want to move forward in my life in a healthy way, in a way that's going to last. I don't want to just put a Band-Aid on this. I want to dig down deep, find the root of it, and heal it from the inside so that I can fully let these things go. And the next time you hear from me is when you are ready to address these issues and to do the same. And I urged my parents not to rush into it because this is a lot. It's a, I know from personal experience this is a lot to dive into, and it's a commitment where you can't just say you're going to do these things and then brush it off and not actually do them. And I didn't want that. I didn't want a hollow apology or a hollow response just so we can start talking again and they can kind of work their way back into my life subtly and before we know it, everything goes back to the way that it was and we've never addressed these issues. I didn't want that. So that was about seven months ago. And three weeks after dropping this letter off, I did confirm to make sure that they got it because I left it in their mailbox. I didn't want to have a face-to-face interaction or conversation saying like, hey, this is the last that you're going to hear from me for a little while um, because I knew that that wouldn't go over well. I figured it was best for them to read this in their own time, on their own, without any pressure of reacting in a certain way. And so I left it in the mailbox and, and throughout those three weeks, I was convincing myself that you know maybe they haven't reached out or said anything because like someone took it out of their mailbox or maybe it got caught up and mixed up with other mail and they accidentally threw it out and so for my own peace of mind I just wanted to confirm that they did in fact receive the letter and they did and that was the last that I heard from my parents and it's been about seven months and over the course of these last seven months I've come to the realization that in saying what I said and ending the letter the way that I did I tied myself to an extremely uncomfortable situation or conversation for my parents where I am now associated with a conversation that will completely dismantle this image that they've created, that they have worked so hard for so long to maintain, to convince themselves of. And that, I think, was terrifying to them. The fact that they might have to admit blame or take responsibility for their fault in this relationship and how it's gone over the last few years. Maybe even tracing it back to my childhood and decisions they made throughout my childhood. Even though I reiterated that 
I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I didn't hold any kind of grudge or resentment towards them for acting the way that they did or raising me the way that they did. I acknowledged the positives, but I also acknowledged the negatives. And that, I think, was too big, too threatening or too intimidating of a topic for them to grapple with. And so by tying myself to that conversation, tying myself and our communication to this conversation that would completely dismantle this image, this version of reality that they had created throughout their entire lives. In doing that, I put myself in a position where I may not hear from my parents again. And that's something that I've come to terms with. And, you know, while it can be upsetting to think that something as seemingly simple as a conversation can be enough to dissolve a relationship between you and your parents, it's something that they have to come to terms with in their own time. If they're not ready to sit with that discomfort and to face a lot of those uncomfortable truths or those ugly truths or to kind of reflect on how their behavior has impacted their family or shaped their children, then that's okay. And there's nothing that I can do about that. And that's been a really beneficial realization for me to have. And so looking back over the course of the last seven months, making the decision to send that letter and to outline my boundaries in that letter has been really beneficial for me. The decision to go no contact, I guess, as a result of that, and to set these boundaries in stone for myself has been beneficial for a few reasons. You know, first, it's so easy to kind of doubt your own experience or to gaslight yourself and to question throughout the healing journey, did I really have it that bad? You know, did I bring any of these things on myself? And if you're still in a relationship with a narcissist, if they have any kind of power or influence over your life, I wouldn't put it past them to prey on that doubt and that gaslighting because they want to maintain this picture-perfect image of themselves where they can do no wrong and they're deflecting responsibility. And so if you show any sign of, I'm going to say weakness, but it's not a weakness. I think it's viewed as a weakness in the narcissist's eyes where you're starting to doubt your own perception of reality or maybe the trauma that you endured, they will prey on that weakness and they will further try to convince you that it didn't happen like that. You know, I didn't do or say those things. Like maybe that was your fault. Maybe you're remembering that wrong. They'll kind of double down on that gaslighting and that can be really dangerous. The healing journey itself is such a roller coaster of emotions. It's up and down. There are times when you feel really capable of tackling this discomfort and these more negative issues in your life. You know, you feel like you can unlearn these behaviors and teach yourself new ones. And, you know, you're kind of on a roll. And there are other times when these negative emotions come to the surface and maybe you feel more overwhelmed. You don't feel as capable of, you know, making that progress that you want to make and healing from these things. It all feels like too much and it's harder for you to focus on the positive. And again, being around a narcissist while this is going on can be really dangerous because for me, I found that being in a safe, supportive patient environment throughout my healing journey is exactly what I needed to allow myself to feel the entire spectrum of emotions that you're going to feel that you're bound to heal throughout your healing journey. All of the really high highs where they can be celebrated and you can use those as motivation going forward where it's like I can do this. 
right? And the people around you want you to do that because they genuinely care about you and they want the best for you. They are not self-focused. They are not nearly as self-absorbed as a narcissist. And so there's empathy there where if they see you making personal progress, even if they're not directly involved or directly benefiting, they're going to be happy for you and they're going to encourage you to keep going. And in the same breath, when you're feeling lower, when you're feeling like, I can't do this, like this is too overwhelming and I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to heal from these things. You have people around you to support you, to pick you back up, to be patient with you and to allow you to kind of sit with that discomfort or that negativity and really truly feel and understand why, okay, why am I feeling this, right? I'm going to get past this and work through it. You have to be in a safe space to kind of, fully reap the benefits of healing, in my opinion. And that is extremely difficult to do when a narcissist is present. And lastly, I think boundaries have been so beneficial for me because one of the things that I find myself struggling with throughout my healing journey is a sense of self. Who am I? What do I like to do? How do I truly feel about this, that, and the other thing? And so often, I think, when you grow up with a narcissistic parent and you exist for so long as an extension of them, you take on their opinions as your own and you only do the things or say the things that you know will go over well with them, you're not given much of an opportunity to develop that sense of self. And so giving yourself distance from the people who you existed as an extension of for so long will finally give you that space to start to figure out who you are and what you like without anyone else's influence or pressure around you. And that is so important in healing is figuring out who you are, what's important to you, and what kind of life do you want to build for yourself moving forward. And so boundaries can be really difficult to understand, to set and to maintain, but it is so worth it, especially if you are in the middle or if you're embarking on your healing journey and you're just now starting to figure out who you are, why you are the way you are, and how you're going to take steps moving forward to create the kind of life that you want for yourself. All right, that is about all the time that I have got for this week's episode, but I'll be back next week with another episode of It's Not Normal. And in the meantime, please be sure to like this video, leave us a rating on Spotify, and subscribe to our YouTube. Thanks. See you soon. Thank you.